What's up, everybody? Before I start today's episode, I just want to say thank you to our sponsor for this episode, Rehun Persian Kebab House. It is on 450 North Beverwick Road, Parsippany, New Jersey, 07054. Thank you so much for calling it Persian Kebab House instead of Mediterranean Kebab House, which way too many people who are sellouts and don't want to say that they're Iranian like to call their restaurants Mediterranean. Iran is nowhere near the Mediterranean Sea. There are like five countries in between Iran and the Mediterranean Sea. I think there's at least, what, 300 miles, 400 miles, maybe even a thousand miles between Iran and the Mediterranean Sea. Stop calling your restaurants Mediterranean. Call it Persian. Call it whatever it is. Be proud of your culture. Once again, Rehun Persian Kebab House, 450 North Beverwick Road, Parsippany, New Jersey. Check them out and let them know I sent you. What up, everybody? Sultan of Strangles checking in. You know it's your boy, the Kimura King, a.k.a. the Ayatollah of Angle Locks. Today, we have a very special guest, a training partner of mine from Henzo Gracie Academy. He has only been there for two years, but he rise, he rose among the ranks so quick. And I always ask myself, why? Why is he in every Henzo Gracie featured picture? You know, why is he allowed to use the coach's locker room when people who have been there for 20 years still don't have access to the coach's locker room? Why is he John Donaher's uke when there's other people? And I found out the, the answer to this question is power. And that's what I want to name this episode. I'm either going to name this episode power or off-track off betting. I'll explain why I wanted to call it off-track betting in a minute. It's because this young man spent the most of his childhood in a place called off-track betting. A place where you don't actually go to see the horses race, but you go to watch a TV that shows horse races and you bet on that. Yes, that is a real thing. This man grew up in the darkest of places and he had to find a way to fend for himself. He had to find a way to find power. You know, many of the things he does, you know, he plays it off like it's a good deed, but I know. I know deep down inside that he's trying to rise among the ranks. He's trying to get power. Um, he will help people with personal training for free in the weights section of Henzo Gracie. He'll help people with technique. And you might think, wow, what a nice guy. But no, it's all about power. And I caught him. And today we're going to talk about that on this episode. I am on my way home right now after a long ass day. I'm going to go home. I'm going to take a shower and I am going to give my buddy Nick Ortiz a call and we are going to tell you all about his life. Hello? Hello, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep. Hear is you it loud and clear. Is this good or bad? Um, It's mediocre. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what about now? Is this a little better? Is it too echoey? Get get a little further. What about now? That's keep talking. Let me let me listen. What about what about what about now? What perfect. About... Okay, good, perfect. Good. Okay, all right, good. So everyone, 
I would just want to introduce my buddy over here. He, he rose among the ranks at Henzo Gracie Academy in two years. And within two years, he's in the coach's locker room. In two years, he's John's Uke. In two years, he is in every Henzo Gracie photo out there. So, so you can find him at Nick Ortiz Jiu-Jitsu on Instagram. 718, Nick Ortiz Jiu-Jitsu 718, just in yeah. case. Unless Mike wants to sabotage me. And <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to episode four, Off Track Betting. Oh, AKA wow. Okay. Power. Okay. So, to my podcast listeners out there, you know our theme is going to be origins here so nick please tell me about the relationship between you and your father okay um in the beginning uh, around four or five actually when i was th- let's okay let's be honest when i was three years old my earliest memory was uh, professional wrestling. I'm a big professional wrestling fan. I love professional wrestling. Same here. I love it. Yeah, I do. That's why whenever I, I see you doing the, the Iron Sheik thing or like the old school, you know what I mean, wrestler uh, verbiage, I'm just like, fuck, man. You know, it gets... Hell yeah. Uh, hell yeah. So uh, one of those memories is me and my father watching, I think maybe the 95 or the 96 Royal Rumble. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but I was like three or four at the time. And um, ever since then, it's, 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 you know, one of the things I cherish. It's not something that I attribute with my father, but it's something that I remember doing with my father. And then I, I want to say that. Uh, sorry to cut you off. Can you just get a little further from the mic? Even like this? Yeah, yeah. How's that? Okay, perfect. Oh, no, that's perfect. Okay. So pretty much um, in, in terms of just like memories with my dad, that's one of the first ones. Uh, was pretty much professional wrestling. And then as I got older, uh, my mother and my father began to separate, you know, normal Puerto Rican uh, family stuff, whatever. Of and course. Of course, of course. And he would, he, he pretty much, I, I would have uh, weekends with my dad. Uh, the cool thing was my dad lived in the Bronx as well. So he lived about a block or two away from where I was living with my mom. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so it wasn't so bad. So I would I would pretty much go on the weekends, but what we would do on the weekends uh, is we would wake up early in the morning. We'd have <laughs> breakfast, you know, we'd eat, we'd do our thing, and then we'd go to off-track betting, the OT, <laughs> <laughs> where we would spend anywhere from 9 in the morning till 6, 7 in the afternoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please explain to the audience what off-track betting is? So off-track betting, for those who don't know, it's a horse. It's horse betting. At the end of the day, it's it's pretty much you go into uh, the, the OTB is pretty much you go into this big room. Uh, there are people in the behind glass that I guess you make bets with. Obviously, like the people who take your money, 
and uh, you stare at different TVs uh, to the bets that you make with the horses, and you pretty much just see if you win or you lose. It doesn't. <laughs> it's it's literally the most insane thing. Like I'm six years old. I'm I'm literally the only child in there with a bunch of grown men who look like they've thrown their lives away. They've just thrown their lives completely away to horse track betting, and I, I, even when I was six, I would look around and I'd go, "This is, this is it. This is what we, we've grown up to be." Like I'm six years old, having this monologue with myself about like how, <laughs> how intense, you know, life could be to a point where we just give everything up and we just give all our money to uh, a tr- a horse betting. I didn't get it, even when so I was just young. real quick, real quick. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't want people to get confused because I, I feel like a lot of people are gonna think that you went to like Meadowlands and you physically watched. <laughs> people, people think. People think the, there was no physically was this is not <laughs> going to horse races, right? Explain exactly what this is. So this is not. This is not the Kentucky Derby. My dad did not take me to, to Meadowlands. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go any. No. 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 This is literally. Uh, in Parkchester, Bronx. Uh, uh-huh. Again, it's just walking into a giant room. Everything's brown, by the way. It's like the it's the worst looking thing ever. The, the walls, wow. the floor is brown. The lighting is atrocious, <laughs> and everybody in there looks like they've lost their minds. Every, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Uh, uh-huh. it, it was a lot. It was a lot for a six year old to take in, but. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, it is what it is. And I think it's a reason why uh, I grew up very uh, reserved in terms of just doing things like gambling and stuff like, like I don't have I don't have vices, if any. I, like, I don't I don't gamble. I'm not big on gambling because I'm afraid of spiraling out of fucking control with that. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. It's not my thing. But in terms of in terms of just being exposed to those things uh, early uh, at a young age, I feel like it, it developed, uh, I guess, good habits. Like I, I never wanted to do anything that I felt was just like, you know, um, not not in the sense of extreme, but I've seen what it's done in its ex- in extreme cases. You know, alcohol, drugs, gambling. So I'm like, ah, I'm good. I'm I'm good with all that. So you actually you actually don't drink? No, I don't drink. I, I drink. didn't know that. Yeah, I never drank. Have you ever tried alcohol? No, I've never tried alcohol. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. You've never tried alcohol? No, I've never tried. Do you know? Because growing up, um, you know, like I, I was exposed to, like a, like I said, a lot of extremes where I was able to see the the terribleness of what things, you know, like like alcohol. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I, I think everything in moderation is good. But I feel because, again, I was so young and I saw, uh, you know, things at a young age with people who didn't do things in moderation. Uh, it really imprinted in me this idea that, like, okay, I just do not want to do any of this stuff because it just doesn't it doesn't seem like it. Like, why? And, wow. you know, I, yeah, I don't regret it. Uh, and I don't I don't fault anyone um you know who who drinks or, or or smokes or anything of that sort. Because again, I I personally believe that as long as you have your shit together and you're you're doing your thing and you're you know uh, drinking and doing whatever in moderation and you're again you 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 have a, a grip on life and all power to you. But it's just like the, the idea of like you know the 
the extreme part where it's like people take it to a next level. They don't have a life. Their life is pretty much, you know, spiraling out of control because of their habits. It's like that. That's what I want to avoid. And I feel like I've always, uh, you know, not that I would, but I've always had that fear. Like if I ever got involved, that's it. I'm going, I'm gone. I'm fucking, um, I'm falling off the cliff. <laughs> I have to, um, I have to add on to what you said though. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from with everything in moderation. And I agree with you in this as far as drugs and whatnot, but there's no quote. I hate more than that because if you want to be a champion, mm. you cannot live a life of moderation. You know, I see a lot. Of, oh, you can't train too much. Everything in moderation. I'm like, well, then you're never going to achieve great things. If right. you do that. You know what I mean? But obviously drugs and alcohol, either don't do it or in, you know, moderation. Right. Right. To, to, to add on to that point about like people's perception of moderation when it comes to training, personally, I do agree with you, Mike. I don't think there should be any sort of moderation in terms of what, like if the goal is to become a world champion, that word of moderation shouldn't be in your verbiage. But at the same time, I do feel like, when your body's trying to tell you, hey, listen, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm on my last wheel. I think it's important to take moderation in the sense of, okay, maybe I'm hurting, but I'm not going to skip out on training. Like, wh- like what we talk about. It's like you, 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 go into, you go into training, you sit and you watch. Exactly. If, if, if you're beat up, if you're hurting, you know what I mean? It's no excuse to just stay home. Like I've had so many instances where like I can barely walk. Some days I can't turn my neck a certain direction because it's just like, you know, it's not allowing whatever's going on with my neck. It's just not allowing it. Uh, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's like, okay, I get it. I'm not training today because I don't want to further this injury or further what's happening with my body, but I'm still going to go in. I'm going to sit down. And usually some of the best things that have happened to me with, uh, w- with training is pretty much just sitting and watching. And then you're Dude, same here. I learned so much better when I just watch. Yep. You literally sit down and you, and you go, Oh wow. I I never thought about that in that way or, Oh, why am I not using this more? And then you look at your training partners, you see what they're doing and you go, Oh yeah, there's this. It just open. It really opens your eyes whenever you get to like sit and watch your training partners train or uh, watch your instructor talk about the moves that he's drilling and then watch other people ask him questions. It's, it's honestly worth it. If anybody ever, is injured, I take it from me, literally just go to class and watch. It makes a huge difference. And with us, with us, it's kind of, we're fortunate enough to sitting down and watching means that we're literally watching matches that people would pay to watch. (laughs) Yes. You're not, you're not wrong. How many people would want to see, like, you know, how many people want to see Craig versus Gordon? We get to see it daily. But it's sad. I still see people, you know, very privileged, very, you know, they're still not showing up and you know, they don't they don't get that. They don't understand the immigrant mentality. Like right. This, yes. yes, 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 yes. So speaking of, you know, rising to the top and you know, <laughs> achieving power and whatnot, you, right. you grew up in, in a very harsh environment uh, in the whole off track betting environment. Right. What are what are what are some ways you um what are some tactics you employed to gain power when you knew that you didn't have too much opportunity wait 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 repeat the question 
<laughs> what are some tactics that you employed to achieve power with the lack of opportunity that you had in life? Wow, that's interesting. Well, um, I I would I will say that I <laughs> I guess tactically <laughs> speaking, I just uh-huh. don't have a genuine personality where I pretty much. If, are we talking about the context of in general or just at Henzo's? <laughs> Uh, actually, let's do let's do in general, and then we'll narrow it down to just the Henzo's. Okay, okay. Well, um, pre- pretty much. I mean, growing up, I never really had any. I just, I just had a good personality and a good sense of humor. Uh huh. I think personally, for me, what made me different was that I was willing to work pretty much for skills, little to nothing, like. In the beginning, when I even started with uh, jujitsu, I worked two jobs as a white belt. Like, and I, I did that for a couple of months until it burned me out, and then I stopped. And then I did uh, part-time uh, security at a halfway house for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and then when that was getting tough, I pretty much just I, I squabbled and I would clean the mats at Henzo's and I would clean the mats at another gym just to make ends meet a, a little bit of money for traveling just to keep training. So I don't think necessarily there was anything in terms of power, more or less begging for opportunities. I just begged for opportunities. And whenever I was afforded those opportunities, I tried to step up as much as possible so that I was able to pretty much get more like, oh, you know what? This kid's dependable. Let's, let's, you know, he's doing his thing. Let's, uh, let's ask him to do more stuff. And then for uh-huh. me, I just, yeah. So I, I never, like, if Mike, like, hypothetically speaking, let's say if like you needed me to do something just because, not because I wanted money or anything, but just but because you needed it and you knew you, you could rely on me. The idea, it's more important for me to know that you feel like you can rely on me rather than any sort of monetary value. Because at the end of the day, the monetary value will come. It, it, I, I don't perceive it as something that's like, okay, I need it right now. You know, you, you need to give me some kind of compensation for my time, blah, blah, blah. That's all, that's all in, in my opinion, that's all in due time. Right now, I feel as though in order to get there, I need to build that rapport with you. And the first thing that's important to me is that you go, wow, you know what? I need to depend on somebody. I feel like I can depend on Nick. And then from there, when time goes by and I feel like I've earned your trust, then from like, if you want to be like, hey, Nick, man, you've been really helping me out. Here's a couple of bucks. Or, hey, Nick, I've talked to other people. They want to help you out. Uh, you know, you can start up your thing, this, that, and the third. That's how I feel like I've, I've pretty much achieved a lot of, like, what I've been doing now is that I've been willing to help people for free just so that they can feel like I, I, I either bring something to the table or I'm, I'm willing to, to, to help at any cost or just what I have uh, in terms of knowledge, whether it be, like, personal training or anything of the sort, is – really worth the time so like they feel like oh okay this guy really knows what he's doing he knows what it's about he knows what he's confident in the things he's teaching i feel like i could you know help him this and the third so like uh one thing i could apply from your strategy to my own was like uh when i first started my tax business right if i saw like a like a big business that had a lot of you know potential that didn't have enough money to pay me at that time 
one of them was just this gyro platter place. They made like the best platters ever. Oh, and I knew, I knew that they were going to blow up. Right. So I told him, listen, man, I will do your taxes and your books for free. Mm. Pro bono. Mm-hmm. And then within a, within a year or two, was it? Yeah, it was about two years it took them to, to really explode. And because of that, that, they could go to like the biggest accounting firms. They still come to me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's all it takes. It's, it's a little it's a it's a little bit of generosity. It's a little bit of foresight. It goes a long way. It goes a long way. And I feel like when you do that within your group of friends who all are like minded, who are very focused on specific goals, who want to achieve a, a better version of themselves, you constantly stay in this in this bubble where it goes, OK, we're all helping each other out. It all comes back. It all comes back no matter what. So, like, for example, Mike, the way you're blowing up now, it's it's pretty much an attribute to the guys that pretty much gave you, like, a little bit of a push in order for you to be like, you know what? I, I do have what it takes. I am going to do what I need to do because I am the man. And I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever it takes, whether it be podcasting, T-shirts, opening a gym, teaching. So it's like those little things will always come back as long as you're, doing your part and pretty much showing up, you know? I appreciate that very much, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you very much for believing in me during this time. Of course, of course. Of course. But, um, I will say, Mike, I'm not going to lie to you. In the beginning, before I even knew you, I was just like, man, fucking, I don't know who that guy is, but he's fucking crazy. And then the <laughs> more I got to <laughs> because you <laughs> that fucking, I'm going to stab you in the fucking, like, that's your thing. <laughs> you don't you don't you know what I mean? Your foot's not off the fucking pedal with that. Like you come uh-huh. in, and I'm like, this I don't know who this fucking. In the beginning, I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's here, and he's he's like fucking. Well, he's dangerous. There's something fucking. <laughs> <laughs> something wrong with him. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's not a bad thing, you know. Some listen, you fucking work with what you got. So, yeah. and then the more I got to know you, I was like, why is this? What is this motherfucker just naturally talented? We're funny. He's funny. What's going on here? This is bullshit. Uh, and then, you know, it broke, it breaks my heart. You're like, oh, nobody believed in me. Everybody was, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that you, you uh, people weren't believing you. I just couldn't believe that because I'm just like this. But you, you got, you got a, a good, you know what I mean? You have it. You have it. Whatever it is, you have it and you got to run with it. You got to run with it. I appreciate that, man. It's um, you know what's interesting, man. Our 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 gym, pretty much. There are very few. There's only one naysayer at our gym. <laughs> that piece of shit. I hope he fucking listens to this. Naysayer piece of shit. But other than him, other than him, man, it's pretty fucking. It's a very supportive place, right? Would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent. There's there's obviously the you know, the, the usual joking around, go kill yourself, this, that, and the third. But once you get past that, and if you if you, if you grew up with any sort of craziness in your life, you know that that's like the least bit of your like like I've I've had so many instances in my life that have been twenty times worse than anything that has ever been said in that room. So it's like if you just have thick skin, you're good. And then on top of that, once you get past that and like, you know, whatever you feel towards whatever anybody's saying, if you think it's negative, it's really not, then it's just the most supportive room ever. It's supportive. Any question you have, people answer it. Uh, 
it, it, it's literally probably the best training environment I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I just feel privileged to even be a part of the, the group in general at all. I 100% agree with you, man. It's, it's To me, it's easily the best training environment I've ever been in my life. Now, um, what, I've, what I've noticed a lot are people will come visit and think about joining the team, right? Right. But I notice after about uh, a week or two, they realize because it's such a psychotic environment, they just leave. <laughs> so do you think it's because the training is really hard or do you think it's because they just don't fit in with the culture for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about it's a very it's a very ball busting culture to the point where like uh i feel like the average person wouldn't take it too lightly like they'd be like wow why the hell did my coach just tell me to kill myself right right exactly yes 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 <laughs> um so I'll tell you how I started at Enzo's. So, and then it, it pretty much answers the, the, the question. So in the beginning, uh, when I was going to Enzo's, I had extreme anxiety to anything new. So I'm in a new place. I don't know anybody. And so I pretty much, for the first eight months, I was in the back. I saw obviously everybody in the front that I wanted to train with, but I didn't want to seem as though like, oh, that that thing where like you know you, maybe you, you you're a little you, you push a little too too far forward in a situation where you feel like you're not really welcomed. I know it's crazy; it sounds crazy, but that's just what I was feeling. I was like, I kind of want to earn this. I don't want to feel like I just walk in and then I'm in the I'm in the front of the class and I'm like calling out rounds with like the higher level guys. Uh huh. So I pretty much just stayed in the back, waited a couple of months, and then let's say month eight or nine, John pulls me to the side and he's like, hey, what's your name? Uh, do you have any ambitions competitively? What, what, what do you, you want to do with this? And I was like, this is what I want to do. I do want to be competitive. He's like, all right, well, listen, you, it, things need to be refined, but you're on the right track. You're you're, you're, there, there are things that need work, obviously, but again, you, you have you, you're, you have something. You, you can definitely work with something. Here. I'm like, oh, wow, that was okay, cool. So from there, I pretty much just I, – I, I, I worked my way up to, to pretty much training with the, the higher-level guys and stuff. Now, when it comes to people who just show up and feel as though it's it's too much of a of, of an environment in terms of just like either the training or the ball busting. Um, I I personally, like I said again, I always laugh when people say, "Oh man, I don't know the way uh, these people talk and so and so." It almost makes me question, like, how did they grow up? Like, what I know, right? What? How did these fucking people grow up? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did their did their father not try to kill them? Like, what's going? What did, <laughs> were they were they not homeless for a little bit? Like, I'm just trying to figure out <laughs> what. Hold on, your father tried to kill you, bro. You oh, quick side story. So I'm I'm five, right? My my father is separated from my mother, right? This is during the whole, you know, I'm seeing him on the weekends. My father uh, has a girlfriend at the time, and he got me Pokemon cards, but he told me specifically not to tell the girlfriend I got these Pokemon cards. Apparently she didn't <laughs> like that. 
you know, he was buying me Pokemon cards. To why, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? So she came over same day, and I'm excited. I got this Charizard in the pack. I'm fucking, I'm elated. I'm five. And I'm like, Irma, Irma, look. Look at what I got. Like a fucking idiot, of course. I show her the cards, and like, you know, <laughs> she's, a, she's upset. She looks at my father. I think they talk for a little bit, and then she walks out. My, oh, no. Yeah, my dad is furious. So what does he do? He pulls out scissors. What? Yeah, he pulls out scissors. <laughs> he wants to cut the cards in half. He's like, give me the no. fucking cards. I'm like, no, 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 no. Dude, 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 please don't do that. He, I'm holding on to these cards for dear life. No idea why. The cards were more valuable than anything I could possibly imagine, including my own life. He, uh-huh. he, grab, he grabs me by my neck. I'm like 47 pounds. He grabs uh-huh. me by my neck uh, and, and slams me onto the into the like this closet. It's like one of these makeshift Puerto Rican closets. No. Um, and he lifts me. And so now he's squeezing my fucking neck, but he also is he's shaking with these scissors in his hand. So I'm like in my I'm like please don't I'm like literally I'm like don't don't stab me please don't in my mind I'm like please don't stab me he's looking at me I'm like please let me go please let me go he's choking the shit out of me he lets me go and then he just storms off so I don't see him for like I don't know four or five hours I don't know uh-huh. what he comes back he's still a little upset but he's like hey. You know, I love you. I'm sorry. We then go to my mom's house because it was Sunday. And he was like, hey, listen, don't tell your mother I love you, okay? And I'm like, yeah, I love you too, Dad. Okay. And that that was just a normal weekend. That was, that was just a normal weekend. <laughs> that was just a normal – dude, getting the, sh- getting the shit kicked out of you because you didn't do something as simple as like, hey, did you brush your teeth? Yeah, I brushed my teeth. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't see you brush your teeth. I'm like, Dad, I brushed my teeth. Get in the fucking bathroom. And then he, you know, started getting the shit kicked out of you because you didn't know. Yeah, dude, it was, it was, that was like every weekend. So pretty much to me, whenever somebody's like, oh, I can't believe John called me a retard. I'm like, get over yourself. yourself, dude. Like, come on. Are you serious? Oh my god, that's wild. You know, so it's like I have no no sympathy or empathy for people that are so, you know, hung up on what people say about them. And it's like is is the value of your word with what you say in terms of like, oh, I want to be a world champion. I want to be I want to be one of John's world-class guys. Like, well, you know people say that and then they go into the room and they can't handle what? Being called an idiot? No, no way. No way. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe you. You don't even believe you. If that's the case, you don't believe the things you're saying. The fuck? I know. That's freaking wild, man. Yeah. You know what's fascinating though? I um, I've I've had a like kind of a similar childhood to where I've almost been killed too. <laughs> but but I'm still I still get really broken up when I get made fun of at the gym. If I get if I get made fun of, you know, a little, that's fine. But like, I remember it was um, it was the Who's Number One show. I was so proud of myself. Right. And um. And I'm like, yeah, John, did you see my match? And he goes, uh, I heard you got your back taken. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, but I won. <laughs> you got your back taken by a 10th planet 
guy, didn't you? I said, uh, yeah, but I beat him. He said, well, you should, um, you should uh, quit jujitsu and uh, kill yourself. <laughs> so then I was waiting for him all night to say, just kidding, good job. But he never did. And I'm not going to lie, I was pretty broken over that for a while. So, you know, I've been through some shit, but he still traumatizes me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, dude, John, it's interesting. I've, I've met a lot of people. I And he's, he, first, I don't know what it is about him, but he's still the only guy that could be like, use your right hand. And I use my left hand. I'm like, what the fuck? What is what? <laughs> and then he's like, you're retarded. I'm like, I know I am. You said right hand, but I use my left. I don't know why I did that. It gets in your fucking head, dude. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, speaking of getting killed, I, I don't. It was. I'm pretty sure it was you that told me this story. Didn't you? Didn't you fight a retarded guy and almost and uh, <laughs> that was you, right? That's you. That was me. I did not. Oh, you got to tell this fight. story. I did not fight. The, so, so okay. So now I'm ten, ten, eleven. I'm at Fun Zone. This is uh, an arcade in the Bronx. One of my uh-huh. one of my favorite things to do was go to the arcade. I love the arcade. Uh, I played Dance Dance Revolution. I would play fighting games. I was just big on going to the arcade. So one day I'm there, and this let's say six foot two, two hundred and thirty pound uh, black guy. He was, just, he was just there, but I knew you could just tell he was mentally challenged. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. He's sitting on the air hockey table. All I do is walk past him because you have to walk past the air hockey table to get quarters. I walk past the air hockey table and he just grabs me and bear hugs me. And he's breathing down my neck, but he's squeezing tight. And I'm concerned. I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, you know, you're you're 10. I'm no more than at this point, you know, buck five, you know, maybe you know, 110. I'm like literally nervous. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? My friend's like, hey, Nick, just bash bash the back of your head into his mouth. So I start doing that and then he just starts breathing heavier and then he's just start like a little laughing. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What am I to do? I do it a little more. I'm shaking. I, I, I try to move around and finally let's go. And I like, I sprint away from maybe like, you know, 20 feet away from my turnaround. He's just there, like, you know, moving, bobbing, and weaving. And I think, Mike, it was you who told me that I should have killed him. I don't know what it was that you told I'm, I'm just saying, man, like, uh, I don't care what their mental state is. If someone's trying to kill you, you fight back with everything you got. Right. Right. Yeah, because, oh, I agree. I agree. because, you know, <laughs> you might die, man. You might die. I will I will say at at, at uh you know 10 11 uh it was rough especially growing up in 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 New York from like the early 2000s if you weren't a part of a gang you were definitely a target and I I definitely wasn't a part of the gang so I definitely got targeted a lot especially by kids who were you know much older than I was Again, I was I was pretty much in an environment that a lot of teenagers were were around, and like it was just really tough growing up in the in the early ages. Uh, yeah, it was rough. Let's hear about some fist fights, bro. Oh, you want? I have a I have a really okay. So this is 2015. Uh, I I don't know a lick of jujitsu. This is a, this is the summertime. Uh, yeah, 2015, the summer. 
my friend, we, we just got done with this uh, tournament that we organized. It was uh, for Street Fighter. I used to play fighting games competitively uh, back in the day. Yeah, it was something I used to do. I loved it. And pretty much we're, we're getting everything packed. And this random guy just shows up. I think he's drunk and he's bothering one of my friends. And I'm 175 at the time. You know, uh-huh. I'm pretty jacked. You know, I, I've been lifting for, for a couple of years. So, you know, I feel I feel like, you know, tough guy, whatever. Uh-huh. I'm not tough. I'm, I'm you know, I'm just, I'm just stupid. So I'll do anything in a moment's notice. I drop my head. So pretty much my friend's like, dude, this fucking guy, man, he won't leave me alone. Nick, take, take care of him. So I'm like, all right, take care, take care of him. <laughs> My friend, uh, Jose, he can attest to this. His name is Scales. He looked at me. He's like, Nick, handle this shit right now, like on some boss shit. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking handle this right now. So I look at him. I'm like, you fucking, you fucking with my friends? You fucking crazy? I literally <laughs> I put, I put my hands up. I circle and I shoot the shittiest GSP double you've ever seen in your life. Oh my god! This guy is literally like three hundred pounds, but he's five foot eight. So I shoot in on him. I scrape my fucking knee to hell. Like oh. I scrape my yeah. It's just it's it's fucking done. Like it's pretty bad. We fall. I'm pretty much on top of him. He turns around. My friend's like Nick, strangle that ass. I'm like yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do that. So, <laughs> oh my god! So I get him in a in a bullshit whatever, like you know, like a compression lock, but over the trachea. Like I'm I'm literally strangling, like I'm I'm, I'm strangling him through the windpipe. And you, the, I'm not gonna lie, this is when uh, that guy he he got killed by the police for you know having cigarettes, and he got oh killed. wow, that was around that time. So I'm doing this to him, and in my mind I go, oh shit, this guy he's overweight, he probably died. And then I end up in prison. So that I stopped doing that. And I got up off of him. My other friends are like, man, it's over, man. It's over. You got fucked up, bro. It's over, man. We just, we, no, listen, we, we don't want any fucking problems. This guy gets up and he pulls his cell phone out. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, when somebody loses anything in terms of a fight, when the cell phone comes out, that means they want reinforcements. That means they want their fucking friends. Oh, no. Well, I look at this dude. I'm like, are you serious? I fucking walk up to him. I smack the phone out of his hand. I'm like, are you fucking crazy? You lost your mind? It's over, dude. What the fuck uh-huh. is the problem? He's just looking at me. He picks up his phone. We're like, you know what? We got to get the fuck out of here before there's even more problems. I don't want any more problems. So we're driving around. Everybody's like, Nick, that was fucking crazy. I can't believe you did that. My knee is fucked up. I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I was uh-huh. chancletas. If anybody knows what chancletas are, they're just slippers. My, 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 the, the shoes I was wearing were not accommodating to a fucking fight, and they got uh-huh. destroyed. So I was pretty much barefoot. It was, uh, it was an interesting night, uh, to say the least. Uh, that weekend was unbelievable because I got into a fist fight, and then that was Friday. Saturday, I went to a strip club, which was a terrible experience. And then uh, a strip club was a terrible experience. So, so yes, 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 yes. So my friend, uh, we did this thing where I was like, dude, look at all these women. Listen, I'll pick the girl. Never let your friends pick out the chicks to give you lap dances. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. Right. So I picked the girl for him. I was nice. I, it was like this beautiful Spanish chick. She gave him a, a fantastic lap dance. It was great. This guy picks the chick for me. 
it, it, look, it looked like any chick from fucking Marcy Projects. I didn't understand oh, man. that. <laughs> I didn't understand why the fuck you were doing. So I'm like, okay, I'll, 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 it's $20. It's not a big deal. So I'm sitting. Mike, when I tell you, as soon as her ass went in my face, I smelled the worst pussy I've ever smelled in my life. Oh. It was a trope. Like in my, I, as soon as that happened, I said, ma'am, Here's your $20. She's like, no, wait, no, there was only a minute. I was like, no, you have a great night. You do your I got up. I was like, that was funny. He was like, bro, what happened? I was like, dude, her pussy smelled a tr- Why did you do that to me? Why? That is terrible. Oh. It was, yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty bad. That is, that, now I can and see it why it was such a bad experience. Time. That was the one and only time I ever went to a strip club. Shut up. Yeah. Dude. What? Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. So why didn't you um why didn't you kill that guy? The one <laughs> that I'm serious. <laughs> Weren't you worried that he's gonna see you again and try to fight no, you? No, no, no. This was this was in Staten Island. Um I was not 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 that like I wasn't enraged because I get I get a certain type of way when people, you know. Like I'm, I'm very passive. Like if you're bothering me, I'm like, unless it comes to you know physical contact, I'm not gonna get into an altercation. But when it's like you're bothering my friends, I'm like, dude, it's on. I don't know why, but I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who's just gonna let another person bother my friend or even get to a point where they they start to get physical with my friends. I, I that's not the kind of person I am. So I get very defensive over that. But in terms of killing him, like. Uh, I didn't want to go to jail. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be worth it, bro. You send a message and nobody fucks with you ever again. Right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nobody fucks with me. They all talk about me and I and I do 15 to 25 in Rikers. Absolutely. Yeah, great. <laughs> Hell yeah. Go out go out like a real man. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so so, um, wow, we're at 38 minutes. I always wanted to keep these podcasts at around the 30 minute mark. Right. This so one. Yeah, here, yeah. Let's um, you tell people where they can find you, where when you're when your next competition is going to be and any other things that you want to let the followers know. OK, uh, you can find me again. Instagram, uh, Nick Ortiz, N-I-C-K-O-R-T-I-Z, Jiu-Jitsu, 718, uh, at, uh, you know, whatever, that's the Instagram. You can find me at uh, Tinder. You can find me on blackpeoplemeet.com. <laughs> find me uh you can find me on my only fans you can if you want to if you want to support that you can support my only fans uh minder my, minder i told you to make a minder i did you can also find me on minder let me tell you and your do you want your facebook to remain private or should you want to plug that no no no, no. You, uh so you can find me on facebook it's axel st cloud a x l e s t uh c l o u d uh, Cloud, it's my stripper name for anybody who's wondering why the name on Facebook is different from the name on, you know, my real life. It's my stripper oh, name, yeah. Axel St. Cloud. So, you know, I am a stripper just in case this jujitsu thing doesn't work out. I will strip. Oh, yeah. I need to make money. Times are difficult. This jujitsu thing might not work out. Help me. So there's that. <laughs> next, my next, my next competition is I'm doing the Sogi tournament. 
Oh, I'm sorry, not the tournament. It is a tournament. Uh, that's the main attraction, but I'm doing a super fight November 7th uh, against a pretty pretty solid opponent. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm always looking forward to just competing, and I, I, I'm still relatively inexperienced with certain things in terms of just getting out there and uh, just performing my techniques, feeling as though you know everything is not as different as being in the gym, per se. So... I try to get as many matches as possible. Uh, I, I'm looking for that kick to start uh, doing more tournaments so I can get used to tournament formats and then just build my experience from there and then really have uh, a strong level of confidence, especially with the big tournaments that I really aspire to win. Amen, brother. Amen. Best of luck with that and looking forward to have you back on soon, buddy. Thank you, Mike. Hey, Mike, I appreciate this. Listen, don't 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 get discouraged. Keep fucking doing this, man. Keep doing this. These are great. This is how everything starts. And then before you know it, you, you, everybody wants to be on your podcast. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you so much for your support. Boy, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Have an awesome night. Sultan of Strangles here. Hope you guys liked that episode. Before you check out, please go to my Instagram at K-O-O-L-R-A-K. Check out my website, sultanofstrangles.com. Make sure to check out the Instagram for the podcast, Rambling with Rack, and also my school at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu. We have our grand opening this Saturday. I hope to see you guys there. Thank you so much for your never-ending support. And if you can, please share this episode on your social media so it could get more traction. I don't know why the fuck it's not on iTunes yet, but we're working on that. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.